Namaste, everyone. Welcome to the Charvak Podcast. This is your host, Kushal Mehra. All right, today's podcast is titled Dalit and American Oppression Olympics. Now, let me give you guys a brief background about why I'm talking about this. So, a lot of uh, discussion has been going on in in the great United States of America, you know, where everybody likes to talk about freedom and democracy, uh, about oppression in the Indian caste system and this and that. And, you know, the discussion is pretty much of a type and about a certain point of view. But uh, a while ago, I came across this uh, beautiful essay, which was uh, about my guest today, Aldrin Deepak, and I think it was written by Pushpita about Aldrin or Aldrin had written it and Pushpita had narrated it. I have no clue how that had happened. But uh, uh, on first post, the name of the author was uh, was Pushpita. And then I really liked it and I reached out to Aldrin and uh, here you have. So Aldrin, welcome to the Charvak podcast. Namaste, everyone. So good to be on your podcast. I listen to you all the time. Thank you for having uh-huh. me. Well, well, I, I'm glad you listened to it. I hope I've not scarred you by now. <laughs> <laughs> no, educated. Yeah. So, so Aldrin, as this is your first time on the podcast, uh, I would request you to tell everybody a little bit about yourself, your your journey, uh, as they say. Okay. Um, so I'll start from the beginning. So I was uh, uh, born in uh, Bangalore uh, to a, a, a Dalit father and a Christian mother. Uh, but I was raised uh, by my uh, Christian uh, maternal uh, grandparents uh, in a place called Kolega, uh, which is uh, about 120 kilometers from Bangalore. Uh, it's very close to Coimbatore. Um, so I grew up there and I lived in a place called Christian Street. So I was raised as a good Christian and I went to Christian school. And um, I basically didn't know anything other than that my grandparents were the most wonderful people you can meet. And uh, I mean, they were amazing people. Uh, everything I am today are be- is because of them. Uh, but my, they were very, I mean, my not my grandmother, my grandfather was very hardcore fundamental Christian. So we would go together even when I was six, seven years old, uh, preach gospel in front of uh, temples, in the melas, uh, whatever we call it, something in Canada. Uh, so we would, I grew up like that. And then uh, as I was growing up, uh, I, I didn't have too much contact with my parents because my grandparents basically did the job and then they would come once a year for Christmas or whatever. So they were more stranger to me than uh, my grandparents were. So, uh, but once in a while when uh, my uncles and aunts would come and they would make, um, you know, like kids, kids are running around and they would say these words like holia, right? Um, uh, they would say holia and money. It's just a thing that they would say. I didn't understand what that meant. I, I thought it was another gali, you know, that, that they, they say. And um, and I did not have any connection with my father's side of the family at all. So I never went there. So I grew up, uh, I stayed in Kolega. Uh, uh, so until like I was nine or 10 years old, I think it's 10 years old, when I first time I got to go to uh, stay with my uh, parents because my mother was leaving to America. So that's the first time that I got to meet my father's side of the family. But even when I was growing up, I was very much into uh, Christianity because, I mean, you know, I was raised like that. It's not like it was my option. And I would have always these questions when I would, and I mean, I was reading Bible every day. I was 
going and preaching for heaven's sake. So I would have questions when I asked somebody about these questions, regardless who it was, my grandpa, anybody who said, oh, don't worry, just pray again, you will find answer, you know, and you're still young, you're learning, and you won't understand the, the complexity of it, blah, blah, blah. But it, it did not make sense to me. But I was very much interested every time I would go in front of the temple, I was like totally was like mesmerized by the whole thing, like, like the ritual, like just the the way that people react. It's not like anybody is telling them what to do, how to do. I did not know any of this, but I was just like, wow, this is like very organized. And I would like literally say things like, you know, your God doesn't, they have eyes, they don't see, they have nose, they don't smell, they have ears, they don't. So come to the living God, you know, the blah, blah, the same old, uh, thing that you do when you're, uh, you know, brainwashing people. But bringing the good news. In the, the good, bringing the good news to people. But one thing that uh, just turned me was nobody ever, ever had any problem with that. They would listen to me. They were more interested in like, you know, like pulling my cheek and saying, oh my God, you're so cute than anything else. And I was like, I was like puzzled. You know, I'm like, you're nine years old. I'm standing in front of you. I'm giving you the the, the truth of the world. You're just standing there like, you know, treating me like I'm the little boy, which was which I was. And I, I couldn't understand it. Like why these people, they should be a, a, a angry or they should be sad because they don't know the truth. But that nothing happened. Even the pujari would come down and he would be like, how are you today? And we were not allowed to eat prasada, right? He would like, would you like some prasada? Like, I'm like, no, 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 no. That's devil's uh, food. I can't have it. And even saying that, he would be like, oh, my God, you know, you're such a, 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 a smart kid. Uh, you will learn. We are not like that. What, how you think we're not like that. But that's how you would have. You wouldn't have any interaction, right? And I never understood that. I was so puzzled. But anyway, for fast forward, I come to uh, Bangalore and I was so excited. My father was going to take me to his father's side of the family. And I was just thrilled I, because I had hundreds of thousands of questions about gods and goddesses and, you know, all the hands and uh, whatever. So I we go and I run into my um, uh, aunt's house. We go in there and I'm looking for statue. That's the first thing. And I said hi to everybody. And I'm looking for the statue so I can have, ask the question. And I know where to be seen. And I asked my aunt, hey, where are all the statues? And she goes, oh, I know you are coming. I know you're a very strong Christian. And I didn't want to offend you. So I put it away. So that changed my, like, that instant was the instant that I realized, oh, my God, these people have something much bigger than what I know. Because here I am going around screaming, there is truth, there is truth. Just the fact that my aunt didn't want to offend me as people person who have never met them and they have heard of me they have so much respect for me they're willing to put away their guards when I come to their house I, I, it was just like a mind-blowing uh, thought for me so that's when I started and you know like they were village people they did not like know about Shastras or anything but they, they were very connected just just the day-to-day -day things that they did was so much in, in, included of what you know our traditions are right so even though if they, they didn't know the things that they included in daily rituals or just the way they talk just the way they uh, analyze things it was just so much closer to what i started learning uh, later on so then i met them my mother left to america i went back to Kolegal again to live with my grandma now i have this dilemma right now i know the fact right the truth is another thing but i know the fact that 
I am coming from these people. I come from this place thing. And that's why I asked her, I asked her, what is Holia? That's when they explained to me this and that and that. And I was very sad. And I remember my uncle telling me, you know, people in your life will call you all kinds of names. It's up to you to accept which one of that you want to have it, right? But don't pay attention to everything that people said because what, what their construction of you is what they see from, perceive from outside. They don't know anything about you. And I, I, that changed every the way I looked at myself, you know? So I came back to the Kolagal and then I lived, my grandmother passed away. And when my grandmother passed away, my two uncles lived there who were alcoholic, they're terrible people. Just, you know, I don't blame them, but it was who they were. And I remember once my, he would beat me so much, my uncle. My grandmother cried and he said, you know, I wish I knew what pain he's going through so I could help him, but I don't know. So I'm so sorry that, you know, he did this to you. And I realized like this, this is so complex. These people, my grandmother, like she understood what the hell is going on. I mean, she was not nice to him. She yelled and screamed at him, but at the same time, she had her own pain of her own child suffering and being alcoholic. And she didn't know why he would do that. And she would always say, no happy people will go around and spreading hate towards other people. It's only unhappy and he's unfortunately unhappy. So then, uh, uh, by the way, she passed away and then I was stuck with this man. But when I was in Bangalore, uh, when I was 10, my father had taken to this her, his friend's house, who happened to be a Brahmin lady who was married to a Muslim man. So we stayed with her for a whole day and she made me a little um, uh, box of uh, uh, snacks and stuff. And she left a message saying that if you need anything, contact me. This is my address. So when I went back, uh, so when my grandmother passed away, I was going through hell every day with my uncle because he was a man. I mean, he, he I was not his responsibility. So I would write, write letter to my father. You know, my teacher, actually, I went, I would go bruised black and brown, uh, purple. I would go to school and my teacher one day caught me and she was like, what happened? Why are you so bruised everywhere? And one day I just broke down and I told her, this is what is happening to me. And she said, I want to buy you an envelope so you write a letter to you know that mail thing that we used to get for five uh, 35 cents five, five, whatever she made me write a letter and i would write a letter to my father and i wrote about 10 or 12 of them and never got any response and eventually i thought about this lady maybe she can pursue my father and i wrote to her i'm going through this and i'm uh, uh, I, I hope you can help me to tell my father to come and get me so he basically uh, she basically forced him and he came and got me and I eventually ended up staying in her house for four years. Uh, she basically took care of me uh, until the, a lot of other things happened. Then I, um, my mother came and she wanted us to come to visit America. So we came to America and the rest is history. And then I stayed here and I met my partner. We lived here. And I mean, I lived for next 32 years without having to ever disclose to any Hindu what my caste is. Nobody ever asked. I would go to temple. Uh, of course, my experience has all been in America. And even in India, I mean, I, we have a lot of friends. Nobody ever asked me, right? Because I basically was in Bangalore and um, in America, in San Francisco. Nobody ever asked me until two years ago when the Cisco case came in California. So that's mm -hmm. the first time, and I, I read Cisco case, right? Uh, what the, the attorneys were putting forward about who Dalits are and 
how they're treated. And that's the first time I got outraged and that that's the first time I had to tell everybody, listen, I'm a Dalit and I have a voice and I want to speak about what is going on in America about uh, caste. And that enriched me because all that 30 years that uh, I, 32 years I lived here, all of that time, people would just go to India and come back and say, oh, I went to India, oh, there is caste system. And I'm like sitting here being a Dalit, like he couldn't tell I am a Dalit. How did you know going to India three weeks in a five-star hotel that I'm a, somebody's a Dalit and there is Dalit's problem happening? Not that it doesn't happen, but how do you know? And what? how are you framing your uh, uh, opinion? Like, did somebody come and tell you I'm a Dalit, I've been abused? So this is why I got upset. And then I basically said, well, the, the truth needs to be told. Mm -hmm. uh, People here don't know either, and people who come and say something from there don't know either. So we have to, uh, you know, bring people who can speak for them, uh, and at least bring their own experience and tell what exactly what is going on. And that's when I got involved. And then Kona was uh, amazing. People in Kona actually like, uh, you know, welcomed me. And then um, I started having talks with people, and we started going to uh, these uh, hearings. Uh, uh, with the county and school districts and stuff like that. And then uh, basically that's the first taste of Indian politics for me. And uh, uh, here I am talking to you. I hope I didn't, that's long-winded. No, no, no. It's, it's wonderful that you've explained this in such a beautiful manner. So so, so from what I understand is here you are living for th living almost three decades in the United States of America. It's quite obvious that for most people in the United States of America, you're just a brown guy or a dark-skinned guy. That's about it. So, you know, this reminds me of the famous uh, narration uh, by Balasaheb Ambedkar when he went to study, uh, I think it was his law degree or his economics degree. I don't remember which one it was in the United States of America at that time. I'm talking about when America was like racist, racist as hell. You know, that was a, <laughs> that was, those were the days kind of a time. And uh, at that time, uh, Ambedkar also told me that the first time in my life I did not, uh, America wrote about it, the first time in my life I did not face casteism is when I left India. That These are Ambedkar's words, not mine. Uh, and his reason was over here, they don't, they can't differentiate. <laughs> we're all brown for them or we're yeah. all dark skinned for them. So they just hate us for our skin color. So at least I'm not hated for my caste over here was Ambedkar's way of looking at it at that time. But I, I totally understand that so let's talk about this. You know, this entire caste bogey that has been raised in, in the United States of America, peculiarly in these uh, left-wing progressive circles. Now, it's, it's very interesting how the caste bogey is risen in, in America. In the right-wing Christian circles, they're like, oh, look, casteism, Dalits are suffering, so I will convert you. Now, it's interesting. You have a unique perspective because you come from a Christian background and and you know the games that are played there. Like uh, uh, nobody needs to say what happens if you are a Dalit Christian in India. You don't have the, the same churches. Your churches are different too. I mean, everybody knows that. Like I'll give you an example. So th there is this training center of the Rashtriya Swayamsevak Sangh. Uh, it's it's a, it's called Rambhai, Rambhau Margi Prabodhini. It's it's a far away place from Mumbai. You, you have to drive like a two hour, three hour time uh, distance to go there. So it's very interesting. I was talking to the locals over there and they pointed me out to two churches. 
And I was like, why are you pointing out to two churches? They're like, these people fight with each other all the time. I was like, why? They're two, two different castes of Christians. They don't allow each other in each other's churches. I was like, okay, so much for that. Uh, conversion doesn't get rid of anything, I guess. So now let's talk about this. Now, if you are, how do you explain to someone that in, in North America, when you come over here, the caste identity basically drops, then how does it feel when some random left-wing progressive academic or some random left-wing white guy, it, it, it's the white people are the Ravish Kumars of North America, going yeah. around asking people, Kaun jato, kaun jato, kaun jato. you know, uh, so how does it feel to you? Well, let me say, like I said, even in 32 years, no white person ever asked me what caste I am from. That's what puzzled me because you're sitting in front of me. You're saying there is caste system in India, but I, you don't know what caste and who is doing what to you. You have a, a resource right in front of you. You could ask me, like, can you tell me uh, so what is caste, whatever. And that that did not happen. See, this, this has become like a very strictly academic, whatever, like your ignorant uh, um, man, white, brown, whoever walking down the street saying anything about caste will not affect me that much, right? Because everybody calls everybody names here, right? So it doesn't matter. Like, uh, like uh, you know, like everybody is capable of being racist, right? It's not just that. And I also say that there are 180 countries, people from 180 countries uh, come to America. Like you said, for white men, it is, they're all the same. They don't make any distinction between Indian or Arab or uh, Samoan or whatever. They're all, you're all like, not them. That's all it is, right? But when the academia gets interested and they have their own uh, whatever agenda that they have and they create this and funnel through the school system to educate people that becomes official that becomes uh much more than a, a guy walking down the street calling your name right so this is what happened and unfortunately uh kushal it's not just the white people it's the the, the indians who grew up in america <laughs> who cannot speak any languages from India, who don't have any connection to India, the only thing that they have connection to is their skin and their names, sit in these uh, uh, hearings that we go to and they talk about how they are Savarna and they're oppressing Dalits. So I went to one of those hearings and I asked, they were like, they were going on. There were 35 of them, Kusha, 35 of these young 20-some year olds sitting there and go, my name is this. Of course, they all have, you know, my name is that, that's like 30 page names. My name is this, and I come from a, a higher class, and I have oppressed, and my people have oppressed. So when I got my chance to ask, and I said, like, it's, you know, for me, it is amusing that there are 35 of you. And if you're saying that you're right, left, and center abusing these uh, Dalits, where are these Dalits? Why aren't they here sitting and telling them, telling you about their story? Shouldn't we hear from them? Are, are you now doing yet another kind of a discrimination? And you think that, oh, I'll be the shepherd. You are the sheep. So don't come and talk to me. I will represent you. What is this nonsense? Well, I want to hear from a Dalit that you oppress. And I want you to apologize to him on this panel. So we understand where we are and who you did to what you did. Now you have 35 people who are taking up the Dalit's job of him coming and speaking for himself. That's also another kind of uh, oppression for me. And a white person coming, and you know, like they, 
they gave us 35 people spoke for like two minutes each for when it came to our side we were we they had one dalit from nepal i don't even know i i don't i don't want to say because i don't like when people say that to me i don't know so he's from nepal there are 130 billion people there are over like 40 percent of the people are called themselves scst dalit they couldn't find one of them to come and talk for the uh, on their side how is that and that's what puzzles me about this whole uh, problem in academia is that how come you are the truth tellers but suddenly you don't have a, a mouthpiece that can tell the truth that you're professing that's happening here on the ground and i'm not saying it doesn't oppression happen i have like i said and I, I nobody ever asked me about my my uh, caste i've gone to temples nobody ever once Ask me, you know, like I didn't know, like the the very first time I went to temple here, I didn't know my my Rashi, my Gotra, anything, and I went to the temple. The priest, I was standing in front of the, uh, you know, like when you go and get blessed in front of Palaji, they he asked me what Gotra, and then go, I don't know, it's just Shubh Gotra, Shubh Rashi. He didn't ask me anything, and I, I was like, oh wow, that's that's amazing, and you know, like uh, I have spoken to the the extreme track that you can think of. I don't want to give their name. They're real people. You know, I talk, I talk to them about, like, I do my Lakshmi Puja in the house and I, how I do it. They told me, oh, it, absolutely, that's how you should do and this is how you should do. Nobody had any problem with me doing myself and learning about my own sadhana. So this is the contradiction that I end up in every time that I talk to. Like I said, that there are oppression that is happening there and we should talk about it, do something about it. But what are you doing in America? And how you coming and saying that, that I oppress these people, but where are these people? What, I have, what have you done in order to rectify what you have done? Nothing, but they just want to pass a law so they can all go and uh, get a glass of wine and say, oh my God, didn't we do such a wonderful job today? It's awesome. And that's the only thing in their mind. And if we went to another county and the same thing happened and then they said, oh, we don't have too much time. We will give you like two minutes. I said, hell no, you're not going to give me two minutes. I will take as long as I want to because you're talking about me and you're telling me how you're going to do this for me, but I will tell you what I want from you. You will listen. And I took 30 minutes and I had a big rant. That's the biggest rant I ever had, like 30 minutes. I took up. I said, you're not going to leave. I don't care what you're going to say. If you're going to talk about us, you need to understand who these us are. And it's not like, you know, one size fits all and go away because... They don't know anything about how caste works in India either. So, so, so it's interesting when you spoke to these uh, thirty academics who 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 know more about caste than uh, any other Dalit on planet Earth. So, so what was their reaction? Is what I'm curious about. Oh, there was no reaction. They cut us off. They they oh. each of them had two minutes. As soon as I finished, they cut us off because they knew that we had more people, right? Like. We had other people from ST, ST, SC class, but they wouldn't let us. Okay, well, that's all. We, and you know, the funny thing is what they do, like everything in America, they had put the union uh, um, uh, issues, the pay issues, and the caste, and we support. So the union people came and say, union, we need that, we need this, we need the uh, equipment, we need all of that. Oh, by the way, I support caste. What the hell? That guy knows anything about caste. Now they have one more person who support caste uh, the, as a discriminator, uh, discrimination category. You see? So it's all, uh, you know, smoke and mirror. 
as, as, as far as, because that guy has no idea who was coming and constantly going on and on and on about it. And then he, 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 about his issue. And at the end, and I also support uh, caste as a discrimination category to be added. Uh, what do you know? Nothing. But this is, this is how it is done, right? Like they slowly add that in the middle of three things. And then it's like, oh, well, whatever. It's, it's not even an issue. It's not like they're interested to hear about what a Dalit has to say. You know, it's a very Abrahamic in that way where you are either on their side or on no, the bad side. You're the evil. Like you don't know what you're talking about. You're, uh, you know, not smart enough that you understand and move over to our side and then come and sit with us on a panel and, uh, you know, uh, talk sense to these people. This, this, this mentality did not go away. And that is the problem. So, you know, it sounds a lot like a typical uh, American problem where in America, what I have realized in the discourse is that uh, the definition of diversity is very interesting. What they want is everybody who says the same thing, but they just look different. So they might, uh, they, they, they'll have a white guy, a Chinese guy, a brown guy, a brown guy. And now in that subcategory, you can add caste in that. And different people but they end up saying the same damn thing which is decided by the white guy who's at the top of the food chain and the white guy says all of you say this thing that i have decided you're supposed to say and if you don't say i will not consider your caste identity your so you know the same thing i see with uh, let's say conservative african-americans who support the republican party now is their experience not valid i have always found this very fascinating like let's say an african-american ends up being a republican the treatment I'll give an example. In California, there's Larry Elder, right? Larry Elder is in California. And I was just fine. Now, whether I agree or disagree with Larry Elder's politics is not the question over here. That's a sideshow. What I want to talk about is, is Larry Elder a, a human being or not? And does Larry Elder have any agency or not? What I find is the entire discourse about Dalits in America or Dalits in the Western world is. Look, I'm the first guy. Like Nobody can even accuse me being of caste apologist. If anything, people tell me I'm too harsh on the system. It, my accusation is I want its annihilation, that I want it to be destroyed completely, like I want it to be nuked. So they can't even pin that on me. But my problem in this entire discourse is there is this imaginary oppression train or a plane because oh, we, the train doesn't go to America. So I have to say plane, you know, and this privilege comes in that plane. And then you travel from place one to place two. The entire mindset is that privilege of being a so-called upper caste in India. And I know that exists in India. I'm not going to deny it. But this privilege actually sits on a plane and travels to the United States of America, travels to Canada, travels to the United Kingdom, travels to Australia, travels to... It's only traveling to Western European nations, by the way. It doesn't travel to any other country for some odd reason. Or, uh, you know, the, the, the good West countries, whatever that means. So how, do you, how, how does one quantify this privilege is what I'm trying to understand, Aldrin. But Kushal, like, like, I, I'm just going to put this, uh, it, it, it might not be parallel, but it's something to think about, right? So like what, when you call somebody oppressed, right, you would think that the certain things from them are taken away, right? And somehow they are not able to share the resources on that uh, from the pool that is there, which I completely agree with that definition, right? But what if, what if you remove certain amount of people completely out of your system and put them away 
Isn't that what you're doing in, to uh, indigenous people in America? You give them a place and call it a reservation. This is their place. You're giving them a place and say, go away and don't be part of our system. Oh, because we allow them to be a sovereign nation. What does that mean? A sovereign nation without water, without uh, education, without what are you doing about it? I am all for you helping me with my caste. What are you doing for my brothers and sisters who are indigenous people whose land that you're standing on and oppressing them and putting them away uh, 300 miles away from any kind of a, a Western modern civilization? What are you doing? So if you don't understand the nuance and if you're sitting on your high horse and not talk about what oppression really is, that is the problem. They don't get it. That's the problem that I'm, I'm uh, having with talking to these people to uh, uh, explain. I think majority, like when I first started uh, wanting to learn about uh, uh, Hinduism, it were the, the, the Brahmins that helped me. They never asked me my jati. I never asked them their jati. And then I learned and I go, oh, that's how I started learning. Oh, that last name means that they're that, that caste. I didn't know that before. And I mean, I got to learn much more after the, the, the last two years about all of this than before, because I, I was totally clueless. And then I when I went to my aunt's, see, if I grew up in my aunt, in my father's side of the family, maybe I would have experienced certain thing and I could tell you this happened to me. And unfortunately, I don't have those experiences, but I will never say those experiences does not happen. But to, to somehow isolate South uh, uh, Indians, and say this is somehow your problem. You know, you show me one uh, white uh, country that does not treat other people as a second-class citizen. Show me one country from Sweden who uh, kicked the Swam uh, the Sami people away and took over the land to Australia, uh, the Aborigines, right? So the oppression happens in all the places. And if you're truly, honestly interested in uh, taking care of the oppression, like what you just said. It's your opinion that you want annihilated uh, annihilation of the, this caste Jatiwarna system, right? But do something and speak about it and do something about it. Most of the people, like I said, that helped me were not the Dalits. They were the, 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 the so-called Savarna people. And these Savarna people are sitting and we are oppressing. Like, how confused are you within yourself? And if you can't put something together properly, how are you going to explain to a white man who has pushed away a, a whole entire people into a, a, a edge of the society and call them, we, we give them reservation and we throw some money at them and then we are equal society. This, this is the problem. If you don't understand your own problem, how are you going to solve other people's problem? I don't know if, I, if that makes sense. No, I, I hear what you're saying, but the problem is that Look, where I have never understood this argument of privilege traveling overseas. Now, the privilege traveling overseas argument is very flawed, in my opinion. Because once you go outside of the country and where you are truly a minority on the basis of your skin color and the basis of your ethnicity, they really don't have the time for subcategorization. Look, human beings try to simplify things for their mind. So, you know, the human mind will be like brown guy, black guy, white guy, Asian guy. They don't even bother about what's Japanese and Chinese and Korean. They don't bother Asian guy. 
that's how the human mind works because for functioning you know functionality purposes the human mind is not going to go around saying okay you know vocaliga okay brahmin okay ayyar okay ayyangar they're not going to do that you know th- that's not how the human mind is designed to work so the entire caste narrative in the united states of america is itself confusing to me and these are my opinion these are my words and this is my opinion is that look if if on one hand i find these caste denialists uh, in india who think there is no casteism and i find that negationism very disturbing because it is existing anybody who has done any kind of activism uh you know two hours away from a major metro center will see caste on a daily basis in india it is existent it is pervasive it has reduced significantly and we have come a long way and you know kudos to the the different aspects of indian society that has fought to done uh, to achieve what we have achieved but to superimpose that reality like just think about it kids who are born in the united states of america or canada or england or wherever they don't even know their caste they are born in a caste neutral society they don't have any caste consciousness it's not like when they wake up in the morning you know and they go their parents are telling them oh good brahmin boy they don't do that the, the parents know it's not happening or it's not like you know when you are born and you happen to be of a dalit uh, background you know you get up in the morning in america and they say how are you dalit they don't do that mm-hmm. because they are in a land where it doesn't matter they are in a land where the the thing that the parents might tell their children is listen you're a brown man in a white man's land that's what the pa- the parent is going to say so this entire narrative on caste is deeply disturbing but at the same time I, and i have to ask you this like i know you say you're not denying atrocity but don't you think the diaspora also does not help the discourse in india by coming up with fluffy narratives about basically trying to deny caste in india too okay So sorry I'm just going to go another parallel again. I, I know if it is not it doesn't make sense you that's fine but that's how I basically make sense of this whole thing. See in America they might not be caste but there definitely is a class system, right? You 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 heard of people saying blue collar, white collar, trailer trash. You know when I first came to America I was stunned when I heard the word trailer trash. And mm-hmm. I know now these people. And let me tell you people really really treat them badly. they really do the white people treat the white people who are, uh, come from poverty and that part of the, that segment of the people they really treat them badly badly and and it's not just calling them name they have this entire way of looking at why they are so certain people who come from appalachian mountain they call them hillbillies it's not just a bollywood uh, i mean hollywood uh, a title of uh, you know calling certain people for being certain way it literally is a lifestyle hillbilly lifestyle and they do discriminate against them it's not because it's their choice it's because they're in a place and in a, a, a environment that they're that they have no resources you know there's no running water in this appalachian people they they don't have running water in america there are in mississippi there is no running water right and guess who lives there right so we cannot say that, that that that's why i keep bringing this discrimination back into this here is because okay you don't have a caste but you oppress and you also ignore these kind of people right but see the the now the problem with uh um the people who live in america 
there are like two different people, right? The ones who come here and they want to do their thing. They are proud of being Hindus. Uh, they want to get on with their life. They want to listen to classical music or go do Garba and be happy. And they're not looking for Gujaratis to do Garba. Anybody who got do Garba, they're happy with it. Uh, whatever. But there are others who end up in these academic places because they're lost. Either they their parents tried so hard not to make them Hindu that they didn't learn anything, right? Those who become these people who go sit there and then talk about oppression. But the other are gone through so much trauma. And when you, they, they think that, okay, now we are done with this. So we're coming to America. We're going to start with a clean slate. And suddenly the first thing people come and ask you is, oh, you have caste system. Now um, imagine, I, I, like I said, there is suppression happening in India. And I don't think most of these people deny it. Imagine these people who have just come to another land. They have nothing to do with it. They intermingle with everybody else. And suddenly you're posed with the question, oh, the upper caste really treat badly. So how do they feel? They're, they're like, are you, you don't even know anything about it. We are here. I'm going to the same school as you are. We go and have the same pizza. You know, maybe I don't eat the, I, I eat the, you know, margarita pizza when you're having pepperoni pizza. But what is the difference here? Why are you even talking about it now, right? So it becomes a like an internal struggle of how do I react to this? Like, should I say anything? But why do they have to? Why do they have to explain themselves? That's the question. They're not doing it, and I understand. That's why they do it. But I think ultimately now the the politics is you know just converging. That makes the dilemma worse for the people who are in, living in America. You have to take a stand now. And sometimes, you know, when you're so uh, put in a spot, you either, you know, either, uh, you, you basically tend to de be defensive and say, what the hell are you talking about? And these things happen. But there are many people, you know, the, the, I had an instance when somebody said something about me. Everybody came to my support and said, how dare you speak to somebody like that? You know? In, in in a, a room with uh, all the class and other people. So I, I think it's a, I don't want to make a caricature of people as well, you know? And I think it's unfair. That's why I'm saying, that's why I want us to accept that there is oppression, but I want you to understand the people that helped me, the people that helped Ambedkarji, the people who started the Veer Shaiva, they were all Brahmins. So you cannot just uh, take it off and exceptionally say, oh, these are bad people. How can you say that? that? We are the same people. We have problems. Let's solve it ourselves. But you cannot just pick and choose and say, oh, because of this, you're a horrible person. No, there is, you know, the oppression happens in Dalit within Dalits, right? And the, the problem with the caste system is there are some castes in, uh, in South India. If you go to Bihar and, uh, uh, and, and Uttar Pradesh, might not be considered as the lower caste, that caste, you know, sub-caste. And there are problems of the Dalits in Bihar and Uttar Pradesh that we don't have in Karnataka or uh, Andhra Pradesh or Tamil Nadu. So this is a complex issue. And these people, let's say they come from one place and they don't know anything about it. They just go visit and then they go and have like the best uh, uh, sag paneer and come back. How are they responsible for what the hell is going on? They don't even know how many castes are there. They don't even know how many jatis are there. Now they're supposed to learn everything and somehow they're responsible for it. It's as unfair to them as it is to the people that are there who are oppressing these people, oppressed, being oppressed by these people. 
So I, I want I want a much of a a, a nuanced uh, you know conversation and not let this become so watered down that there are only two sides: one who deny and one who just oh oppression, oppression, oppression. You all are oppressors, and the other one is there is none at all. We can't have that conversation anymore. I think that's a dangerous because that only helps these people in the West because that's oh, yeah. the Abrahamic way of looking at it. Absolutely. I'm 100% with you on that, which is what I have always maintained that the the, more, the enemies of dharma are two kinds of people. The one that makes this case that there is only oppression and the one that negates there is oppression. You made a very important point that, you know, hierarchies are universal and via hierarchies uh, comes oppression. And hierarchies are not going to go anywhere in a post-agricultural society. You're going to have hierarchies, whether we like it or not. Post-agricultural societies are going to be functioning in hierarchies. The most important thing is that we make sure those hierarchies are fluid, that today, whether you're a Dalit, you're a black guy, you're a white guy, you're a brown guy, whatever, you can go up and down the ladder based on your capability, right? That's the idea. Now, I thought it was a good thing that when a Hindu goes to the United States of America, they get overcast. I thought that was a good thing, right? I don't care what skin color you are. I don't care what caste you are. I don't care where you come from, which country you come from. I don't care about any of it. To me, you're a human being. I'm a human being. Let's work together. That's that's a good idea. I thought we made some progress. And now these people want to take us back to the same shitty system that we we fought for so many years. And they want to bring that shit system in the United States of America, because they have this obsessive, you know, game of self-flagellation. And in their obsessive self-flagellation, which has, I don't know, come up from where, they want to destroy our society. But if I was to ask you, how does the Hindu community respond to this problem then? How do we deal with this problem? Because, see, I see a lot of complaining. I don't see really any any solid um, response beyond a few organizations doing a little bit uh, here and there. And then that also, to be very honest, there is too much apologia for Jati Varna, which which I have a huge problem with, but that's my personal issue. Uh, and, and let us put that aside. But the point is that how do we make these people in the United States? And you know what the funny part is? Just think about how many people are now going to misuse this system. Again, I, I, I'll give you an example. I was ch chatting with Razib Khan and Razib just uh, said it in a joking way on Twitter. He's like, yo, as a Dalit American, let me tell you, you know, I, I, I feel very oppressed. I was like, I know what you did there, Razib. I know what you did there. He's like, look, how do they know I'm Dalit or not? Can they prove I'm not yes. Dalit? Yes, that's exactly what I asked the, the congressman. And I said, if I bring you 10 Indians and I put in front of you, can you tell who is a Dalit? Right? And I asked him that, uh, that the reason I got really pissed off is that in, uh, Dalit, the, in the Cisco case, it says that the Dalits are oppressed, dark-skinned, right? And um, they're uneducated. Like, let me tell you in my family. No, that's exactly what it says. You have to read that thing. That's what pissed me off. Like my aunt's name is Kempama. You know what Kempama means in the Canada? It means that the fair-skinned one, right? Uh, and if you see my family, my father's side of the family, forget about my mother's side, my father's side of the family, you will see all colors, right? 
my the, the the woman that took care of me right my father's friend who is a brahmin she is darker than all the uh, the the family of my father's side right so she used to call me kariya you know what kariya means it's a darky but that's a term of endearment we call krishna kariya right so these 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 things pisses me off because you don't know anything about a culture or people and you don't get to decide who who and what is going to be uh uh judged by uh how they see themselves and this is the thing and this becomes this atrocity literature that they put out right these are the dark skinned people uneducated people uh and i asked i asked actually um because see you have to get them where they they will be caught in you know in the you know the floodlight so to speak i asked them do you know who is vedvas his mother was a fisher woman did you know that right and you know everybody respect him ultimately they don't know anything about that story but the point is to put them in a place and say do you know them but if you don't know them how can you even talk about today's history when you don't understand the previous history right and this is the question that i have like if you keep on whitewashing everything and suddenly said see this is our pure way of looking at the world and this is how it should be then we will end up like so they always come up with one more oppressed people right so they will go from the the black to the hispanics to the gay to the transsexual but ultimately nothing gets done nothing gets done i will tell you in the 90s i was a gay man and i lived with my life in uh, in san francisco and the people who didn't like they didn't like but people who liked who liked but the worst thing that that can be done is if somehow that i am different than you i don't want to be different than you i want you to respect me for who i am as long as i don't harm you just leave me alone i will leave you alone this is the kind of thing right and we should uh, aim to create uh, a society where everybody has the equal opportunity that's it that's the part of a government that's the part of any kind of a civilized society that that at every level that people gets this opportunity and that's the one thing if you go to like i said if you go to mississippi today the you know like the first time that i realized when i started working and people would come from mississippi uh, uh virginia vermont they were as out of the uh well, fish out of the water as i was when i first came from uh india they were as uh, um uh, like awed by the city and the different way of people thinking here as i was when i came from uh india to america so those people are deprived of uh, education resources as well you know so you need to stop keep on thinking that somehow i have to reach out to the third world to uh correct their problem there is enough problem to correct here correct it here first show the model after taking over there you can't just keep on finding faults on others unless you are shown the mirror that's why i talk about these things it's not because i want uh to talk bad about the west i love the west i'm a american citizen and i'm very proud american citizen of indian descent so i don't want you to somehow think that you're in a higher level because what have you accomplished in suppression it still yeah. happens you know that's why i got upset at i used i was a, a, a strong democrat until i realized this 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 suppression thing goes on and the people who they say that they're going to support they're still in the same place you go to the the 
uh, uh, the urban population and you see the minorities that they call minorities, they're not minorities, they're, they're people who are deprived from everything in the society. Instead of holding them to a responsibility and giving them opportunity, these people are the ones who come and uh, represent them. It's like there's a beautiful uh, a Turkish uh, proverb, it says that the shepherd always scares the sheep with the wolf. But if the sheep were on the wild, maybe three sheep out of 100 would be eaten by a, a wolf. But you know who eats 100% of the sheep is the shepherd. So these are the shepherds. They keep telling you, come to me, come to me, I'll protect you because the wolf is going to eat. But they're the ones who are fattening you up so they can benefit from that. That's all there is to it. And I disagree vehemently with that. I cannot have that. I'm not a sheep. Don't treat me like a sheep. I don't need a shepherd. I need my own voice. I need Dalits to have their own voice. So we can have all kinds of uh, spectrum of voice, but it needs to be ours. You can't go and make a, a anecdotal story just like I could do that too. And I could deny completely there is no uh, uh, oppression happening, but that's not the only story. So don't lie and keep on writing this, these Savarnas are doing this, the Savarnas are doing No, the oppressed is oppressed. You know, the one thing that I don't like is the people that suffer the most in India are the rural people, regardless of caste. But if you're going to do something, educate them, give them a self of sense, you know, a sense of self, so they can stand up. It doesn't matter, I can be Dalit, but I have, I have my education enough to stand up and argue with you and say, screw you, you can think like that, I don't care, but I will think like this because this is who I am and this is what my thought process is. Mm, so, but yeah. until that happens, all of this, crap that they put it on paper and law it's not going to help it's useless it's just so that they can feel good about themselves yeah you know another fascinating thing is nowadays um, you know america I'm, I'm obviously saying it in a sarcastic and tongue-in-cheek way but these days you know even sarcasm has to be given with a caveat because people have become that stupid um so they, they in america nowadays they say gender is a social construct and you know i can be of any gender but caste is rigid I don't understand these people. Gender is fluid. Caste is rigid. You know, why can't I identify as a Dalit? I'm just saying, why can't I? Yeah. If you're oppressed, if, you're a Dalit. Yeah. So I don't know. So you think only oppression happens to the Dalit? So, so, you know, see. Yeah. It's it's stupid. It makes no sense. Like and, and you know, these are the same people who say gender is a social construct, but caste is not allowed to be changing anytime, anywhere. That cannot be fluid. So, how do you deal with this mindset? You can't because that's how they control, right? Their control comes from grabbing some part of the society and say, You're oppressed, I'm gonna take care of it. But you know, it it inevitably never gets solved. It, and then they will find within that some other problem. It's like the uh, I'm, I don't like doing that, but it's like if you take the African-American problems of the urban area, what have is it, what has it solved? You think they're all now uh, happy and hunky-dory for the last 40 years that our Democrats have been saying that we're doing this, we're doing that. They're still in the same places. There are few people who go up and become whatever they want to, but did that solve overall problems that, are, that were created by these people? They created this problem. Now they're like, oh, we will give you, this is the same thing that happens over and over. Oh, there is a problem, but you created it. Oh, now let's give you medicine ourselves. It's, it's the, 
modus, you know, modus operandi for them. It, otherwise, they cannot survive. If there is a solution, and if they have to come up with a solution, it, they can't survive. It's only by constantly keep on talking about a problem and you know, superimposing it on everybody else. That's the only way they stay in power. So that's the problem, that there is no solution until you call them out and you uh, make them you know, accountable for what they're saying. It's just like what they did to the, uh, the Southern Baptists who were like screaming about God hates fags thing. You know, shame them. We have to shame. Unfortunately, that's the only way we can do it. We have to show them their own faces and say shame them and call them out for their hypocrisy. There is no other way of doing it because the in America, the unfortunately, the politics works like that. The politics only works when people can be convinced that what they're saying does not make sense. So, so. <laughs> Uh, and don't uh, take it in the right way, but uh, how does it feel that in spite of taking so many boxes in the American Operation Olympics card, you at a personal level, I mean, look at it from a, you know, um, uh, you you take so many cards, you know, they always have these cards. So you get uh, one point for being a Dalit in America, one point for being the heterosexual, homosexual, transsexual, pansexual, etc. You know, you, you know what I'm talking about. You take so many points. In spite of that, they will cancel you. How does it feel to be canceled? Yeah, but that's the thing. But that's why that's why I'm not going to let cancel. You know, my my um, uh, my partner keeps saying that, like, I don't know how you get the energies to constantly argue with these people. What do you think you're going to change? I said, I really don't care. But I want them to know I exist. Really? Uh, so maybe, they, you see, the for me, the best thing that ever happened to me was when I was going and telling the truth to people. See, I, I literally, that's why I have sometimes compassion for these people. At the same time, I know how their brain works. It's just like me going and telling the, the, the truth, right? I was preaching the truth I, because I knew the truth. You did not. But until I started seeing when people ask me questions, I did not question that myself. It's, it might look very simple to you. But until that question came to me, but why not? You don't realize like how silly you are. Then you, you know, that's how, that, that, that seed of Sandeha is very important. And that's my job is to go and put seed of Sandeha to these people. You know, that's what I do. I like any chance I take, I get, I go and speak about these things. And I tell them that, you know, you need, like, if you are going to talk about me, you need to make, let me talk. You listen. You have a question, I'm happy to. And that's what I did when they were talking about, you know, like now it's time for you to quietly listen. You don't get to talk about me like I'm some kind of like a, 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 a antique statue that is sitting in the museum and you have to somehow explain it away what happened to us in the antiquity. I'm right here and I have to deal with these things day to day basis. So listen, and then we can have a conversation about what solution can we come up with? But if this is going to be just like another 20 years of writing books and writing papers and writing theses and uh, some uh, lecturer having a, a, a tenure in a university, I'm not interested because ultimately that's what it becomes. What, what good these things can, um, do, to, do to us besides dividing us? And you know, that's what I told them. Please don't do this. Because now today when I go to the temple, nobody's looking at me 
and going, oh, is he Dalit? You know, is he Brahmin? What should we do? Nobody does that. But if you start doing that, then the, the elements of society that wants to do something will do something. There is no nuance to it. You know, there's no nuance. It's not the problem with the law, but after you put the law, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do? Like tomorrow I'll come and say, I'm a Dalit. He uh, abused me. Now you have to, I'm going to sue you. How are you going to prove me that I'm not a Dalit? Where are you going to go? Who is going to give you that certificate? You're going to go to India? How do you know in America I'm a Dalit or not? With just by me saying, what are you going to question me? Then my I will get another attorney who will charge me another uh, $2 million and will sue you for $30 million for defamation of character. What, what are we going to do? Are we going to play this game again, Oliver? This is the problem that I have. See, this is your problem, Aldrin. Here you had the chance of becoming the Ibram X. Kendi of the Hindus. And you're not taking that opportunity and charging everyone $6,000 per head, going around telling people how, how you, you... See, this is why you're not a businessman. You could have made so much money. No, but you know, I will tell you something. When I was to read uh, Bible, there's one in Old Testament, there is one story about Moses. So Moses kind of has like Krishna story. Moses' mother has him and then she gets uh, scared that she put him in a basket and she uh, throws him in the Nile, right? And uh, 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 Pharaoh's daughter finds him and she raises him. So she he ultimately become an Egyptian Pharaoh's family. When the uh, Egyptian Pharaohs mistreat the Jews, like he is the one with the whip telling the Jews how to work, right? One day he, uh, he finds out that he himself is a Jew, right? And there's this one verse in Bible. It says that when Moses, when Moses uh, grew up, uh, when he realized that he was a Jew, he by faith uh, accepted that it's better to live as a true himself than to be called the son of a king when you have that conflict within yourself. So that's what happened to me. Like when I realized, I, I never felt, if unfortunately, I, this is the, the truth for the Christians. I never felt I was part of Christianity. I always had a problem with it. But as soon as I got to my, my aunt's side of the family, I, I was, for me, natural. Everything that they did was so natural. I was part of it. I, I never had a problem. I felt, you know, like I would cry at night and pray. Like, did I do something wrong today? Because, you know, you're a sinner. You're constantly sinning. So I like if you truly believer, if you're a true believer and you're going around and trying to convert people, if you have good conscience, you would question yourself too. Like, what am I doing today? Am I wrong? Am I right? I was constantly in psychological trauma when I was like that. But what liberated me was when I came to uh, Hinduism and then they said, you are divine. I was like, wait, wait a minute. No, no, no. I'm a sinner. They're like, no, no, no. You're a divine, you know? So this is the the the, the paradox that, that I had to live with for a long time, right? So I am very much happy. But like like you said, like I would uh, my, I uh, advocate that we, in order for India to get anywhere, we need to educate our rural area. We need to give them uh, create an ecosystem where we, they can thrive and uh, help each other and build a society that that is you know strong and 
because you know the all the things that we talk about it just benefited in urban areas but rural areas people are ignored you know so i i honestly think that that when people have resources if you don't make it it's your problem it's nobody else's problem uh, but we can be sympathetic to you but if they don't have it and you constantly accuse them of this and that it's a problem and see this happens within the the dalit uh, uh, themselves right there are there are hierarchy in dalits too right so that is another problem so so you cannot see that's why i have a problem like you cannot say that oh these are the oppressor but these are not how are they not oppressor they're oppressing the people that are lower than that how is that not why are you not taking that in consideration why aren't you going to those places and making sure that this doesn't happen don't you think that the the problem should be start, we should start from the bottom so that we can go higher and higher and see what is the best way to do it but you keep on in your so in your universities and uh, you write ganesha's uh, symbolism is a limp penis and uh, Hindus are uh, obsessed with uh, uh, menstruation, and that's why they wear the bindi. This nonsense are the same people who are now going to give us the gyan about uh, the caste. I reject uh, categorically everything that comes out of these people. I don't care. Like I, I will tell you, I am a high school graduate. I have never been to college, but there is such thing called common sense. so anything against common sense will lose so so uh have, so when you have let's say if you have these discussions and this will be my last question before we wrap it up um when you have these discussions with other dalits in the united states of america is there any such thing happening where uh, other dalits are also reaching out to you once you've spoken up where hang on what the hell is happening we do not even know that our dalit identity matters uh, has that happened with you yeah so the, so there are two type, kinds of dalits one kind they're like you said that they're you know fine with whatever that's happening no others are like very sad really sad uh but in within that there are people who say well yeah if you come and say something then we cannot say there is oppression we have to do something about it then we will be told oh no you you know you're just talking about uh negative things or the other ones are like uh afraid that oh if i talk about these things how is that going to affect my life and my family in india and all of these things so it's it's kind of we're in a very bad uh situation as far as that is concerned i hope i wish uh the dalits in america just come out and stand for something uh without being afraid without having a fear of something uh it's going to take time you know like i'm not sure how long that is i do uh talk to people on the background but they don't they're not willing to come uh uh publicly and say what they want to say uh I, but that's my mission my, like i want to reach out i want to find out what's going on um but it has to come for me organically so that is a strong point you know then it it comes from them and that brings strength so i i'm hoping uh for the next couple of years people will realize they're at stay they're they're at risk as well you know it's not just you know uh, th- this whole thing has an agenda 
it's not just about caste. It's systematically somehow undermined Indians, Hindus as a whole, right? So I think we have to unite and fight this one. And like I said, like you can have exactly opposing views of me, but we have to have our voices and we have to take uh, ownership of that ourselves and uh, be spokesperson ourselves, not let other people tell us what it is. See, you if you say that Verna system does not exist, you cannot qualify yourself as I'm Savarna just for the argument's sake so you can condemn somebody. I vehemently oppose that one. You cannot. You cannot sit in a university and you say, oh, I don't believe in caste system. And suddenly you say, I am from that caste. Why are you saying that? If you want to de destroy it, don't tell yourself that you're from that caste. Because obviously, at some point, you have given that one up. You have not talked about it. Your family constantly talk crap about it. Why are you using that to own yourself as that? You know, you can't just put it on whenever it is convenient to you. We don't get to do that. Why are you doing it? So that's the thing. That's so that the hypocrisy of these people is incredible. Well, you know what? Uh, I hope that more and more people come out and speak about this. I, I genuinely feel that even at the level of the caste discourse in in the in the Western Hindu diaspora world. I think there need to be more Dalit voices. And when more and more Dalits speak up, I think it will it will help. It will help the crisis. Uh, because beyond a point, I think whether we like it or not, Savarna voices speaking all the time does not help the discourse. And uh, no matter how caste neutral American life is for a Hindu, it always helps when Dalit voices come and speak up and uh, they speak from their experience. And and uh, yes, I do understand the moment they speak up and they don't toe the line of the academic ummah, the left-wing academic ummah, because they function like a ummah. They are a global yes. ummah. They are exactly like a religious ummah. Uh, and uh, you, just like in your case, you know, you you take all the oppression Olympics cards in America, but that's not enough because you don't agree with them because you say, but hang on my reality changes but i hope you know there are more people who are like you who come out and speak and and again what happens in this entire discourse is they will always find dalits in india to come here and speak against india yes. and and but what they don't realize is they they live in india and nobody is denying there are problems in india who the hell denies there are problems in india but what has that got to do with a hindu person's existence in the united states of america is you know it's always going to be a a mystery for me but you know, before wrapping it up, I'll again hand it over to you, uh, Aldrin. I'll let you have the last word and then we'll wrap it up. Okay. So thank you so much for having me. First of all, just in case if I forget, I really appreciate you taking time to talk to me. And it's an important subject that we should talk about and everybody should get involved. And uh, and, and one thing I want to say is please don't get uh, um, uh, uncomfortable to talk to each other. That's the, that's the only thing that is stopping us from getting over this thing. We have to have an open conversation. It doesn't matter. I always tell people, you can have that uh, your opinion based on your experiences, but when you meet two different experiences, the truth is somewhere in the middle, then we can accept and move on. Um, the, the, the best thing that can happen to... See, the only problem that I have is they always bring these people who are in the academy, 
who went to college, who went to university, who told their lines already to America to talk about it. I want one time, I want one time these people to bring one Dalit who is in a village, who is literally being oppressed, who cannot speak the language, bring them here and have them speak in their language and somebody translate it, then I will, I will accept that and I say yes. But these people, if I go and talk to this person who is coming and representing the Dalit of India, I'm not even allowed to talk. I'm a Dalit, I'm asking him a question. I'm not even allowed to talk. So that's the problem. I don't have a problem having a debate or a dialogue, but you can't suppress me because I don't tell your lie. That's the problem. And I think the, the best thing that can happen going forward is in India and in America, people should not have problem expressing directly or openly how, what they think. So then we can come in the middle yeah. I mean, it's okay that we're going to say something that uh, I, I might get offended or you might get offended, but without us knowing what's going on, we can never change because you will live in your Cylon and I'll live in my Cylon and I'll, I'll be saying something, oh, that this happens and then you say that this doesn't happen and we move on, move on, move on. And then they say, well, what is this problem? Why is this problem coming to us? But if we had already talked to each other and the elders screamed, I mean, I mean, we have lived thousands of years together and, and keep on doing that. I mean, our gurus from Buddha to Shankara to uh, 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 Basavanna to all of these people, they started revelation in our own place. Nobody came to us and did this to us, for us, right? When there was something that they want to speak about, they spoke about within the tradition, in our own uh, uh, place, uh, with our own uh, skin color and uh, uh, our place. So I don't think we need somebody else telling us what to do. We can solve this ourselves as long as we're willing to uh, be open and have a real honest discussion and understand that we are coming from two different places, but somewhere the story is in the middle and then work together as one uh, unit, not as, oh, I'm this, I'm that, so we have to do something. No, as a Hindu, we are a collective uh, identity that needs a collective progress, progression. And in order for us to do that, we have to come together. That's it. And please, uh, it's enough now. We, we need to stop dividing ourselves. We need to unite ourselves and have one voice. And I think that's all I want. Just be together and, you know, progress. Fair enough. Uh, Aldrin, I wish you all the best. Uh, you're, 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 you're a brave person. You speak up. Uh, you know you're going to be canceled by all the right uh, people in the United States of America for uh, not fitting uh, their caricature of a, of a Dalit uh, American. Uh, unfortunately, you have hit them where it hurts them the most. And uh, I wish you well. And, and as far as I'm concerned, you know, the American Oppression Olympics is the most weird thing that I have come across in my life, uh, where a person from the community is not allowed to say anything other than what the orthodoxy wants them to believe. At the same time, I also wished, and, and these are my views, not Aldrin's, uh, that the diaspora also become a little mature on the discourse on caste and they don't help things in India. Let me put it this way. By, you know, the, 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 these these tomes of apologia that are, that are sung all the time about, oh, caste being a Western construct. I'm sorry, 
you know you don't want to use the word caste use some other word hierarchies are a universal construct they existed everywhere and these problems existed in india too way before the british came way before the mughals came the degrees uh, can vary and that's fine but these problems existed in india in in this entire mess the reality is that the hindu community that lives outside india they have nothing to do with the shit show that we have going on anywhere else in india and i don't think so a kid that is born and raised in america should go through this trauma it's a very traumatic experience for somebody to go through this like uh, for example you know many times i have have had you know you know lesbian americans gay americans talking to me offline about you know how this entire concept how you know the bible talks about how homosexuality is a sin and how that's such a traumatic experience for them if they are christian and they are gay how much trauma they go through now when i heard that story and then suddenly i came to this story where now they are going to impose caste on our children and they're going to make our children go through this imaginary trauma where where the child does not even know about his or her caste identity that's when i realized you know what i have to fight this i am the first person in the line if you talk about annihilation of jati varna i am the first one in the line in that membership club people have a problem with me being too harsh on that system but you, but at the same time i am equally the first person in the line when it comes to traumatizing hindu children because these weird academic malvis i call them malvis now i don't call them teachers yes. they are malvis these academic malvis who want to impose their self obsession on everybody else and they think we are some kind of an experimental theory uh, and you know we are their guinea pigs where they can just do this and and the hindu community needs to realize the shit show that is you know staring at them in the next 2 3 decades i hope the hindu community comes up with better alternatives and while i might disagree with many aspects of the hindu diaspora i will always stand up for them on this aspect of of caste in outside india so i'll leave you guys at that i hope you guys support aldrin and many others like aldrin who are trying to speak up from a dalit perspective living in north america and also try and understand why i do these discussions these are not popular discussions by the way i could easily be doing clickbaity podcasts and you know getting as many views as possible but the reason i talk about these issues is at the end of the day our life gets affected by this so think about these issues try to try to raise your voice if you are a diaspora hindu and have nuance around it and uh, support the charvak podcast subscribe to the channel like the video you can become a member on youtube or patreon or whatever wherever you are and i'll see you guys next time until then namaste take care bye bye